For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Looking for a fun way to win 25 times your money this football and basketball season? Test your skills on Prize Picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of stats, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and injury insurance on your picks are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million players who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com/play100 and use code play100. That's code play100 at prizepicks.com/play100 for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. It is SNY.TV's The Juice on the Cuse podcast, covering Syracuse basketball, lacrosse, and football. Today on The Juice on the Cuse podcast on SNY.TV, we'll be talking about the upcoming NBA draft and a couple new Syracuse commits. I'm Wes Chang, and I'll be joined later by Brad Bierman, and our guest today is NBA Scouting Operations Senior Director Ryan Blake. Ryan, thanks so much for coming on today. Well, thank you. I appreciate you having me. Uh, Ryan, I want to get you started on this. Let's start with Syracuse guard Tyler Ennis. You know, last week he told reporters he was the best point guard in the 2014 NBA draft. Do you agree, and where do you see him going in this year's draft? Well, I mean, that's a, that's a confident uh, comment, and, uh, and good for him. You know, you, you want a point guard that is confident, but uh, in this draft there's a lot of good point guards. Oh, yeah. And in this draft, I call it uh, – uh, the BPA, the best player available. And it's also beauty and I, the beholder, the old cliche that, you know, listen, you and I and, and, and many of your friends could sit in a room and we could talk about players and who's going to be better, and none of us will be wrong. <laughs> but what Ennis brings, I mean, he offers something very rare, and that's consistency, efficiency, and steadiness. You know, he's that no-mistake type of guy, and uh, he can score, he can pass, he can defend. Um, you know, he's that crafty point guard that, you know, can see the floor well. And depending on what, a, what team, uh, system, uh, their culture, and so forth, uh, I don't know if he'll be the first point guard drafted, uh, but he's definitely coveted. He is the latest in the line of Canadians. You look at... Wiggins, you look at obviously Ennis, you look at Bennett, you know, going back to now, I guess, Steve Nash, it's like there's this rise of Canadian players. Do you see that continuing? Well, you know, I've actually done a, a bunch of radio shows from Canada this year, of all things, and a lot of people talking about that same subject. And, you know, when you have a, uh, I don't call it a trend, when you have this impact or input of, of Canadian players or certain countries and so forth, it generates 
popularity and then kids you know become this you know becomes a domino or snowball effect where hey these kids are getting an NBA I love watching basketball I love playing basketball uh, they have a great federation up there so I think yes you'll continue to see that as as the popularity of basketball continues to grow in Canada now let's move on to Jeremy Grant. You know the reports are that scouts aren't particularly impressed with his jump shot, and I can say all Syracuse fans um, can at least appreciate that. And his stock has fallen. Do you think he could have improved his stock by coming back to Syracuse another year? Or do you think this was the right time for him to jump? Well, uh, we won't know until uh, you know I guess training camp uh, in October, right? Uh, or you know when the rosters are set in October. Um, yes, I do. I think it's a risk when you're not when you have such a, a deep draft as this. When you have so many players, when you have 60 players that are first round quality players, that anybody uh, and guys that are going to go undrafted that will have the opportunity to make an NBA team. You know, you can have a West Matthews type of player in this draft that doesn't get drafted. So it makes it very difficult. You know, he's a long, athletic combo forward, and he's going to take some time to adapt and, and develop. And there is a little bit of a risk, but he's got a good motor. Uh, you know, he's not that creative off the dribble. Uh, he's a good re rebounder. Um, and, you know, your jump shot, that is it. You have to be versatile. Now, the big thing about anybody that gets drafted that will come into the NBA will only earn minutes if he can play defense. And none of these players will be your first through the fourth option. So I think when when a team looks and looks at the depth of similar uh, positions, whether it's a swing or small forward or big power forward, uh, there's a lot of competition out there. Now let's look at Syracuse's final player that may or may not get drafted. We know that Ennis and Grant will fall somewhere, but C.J. Fair is kind of on that bubble of will he, will he not. Do you think there's a team that takes a flyer on him in the second round, or do you think he's going to travel the way of like a James Sutherland where he possibly works his way onto an NBA roster? And, that, and that's true. Um, again, here, CJ, a lot of things has happened this year. Uh, he took more, 20, uh, took more threes this year, 20 more th uh, three-pointers, uh, and uh, he was 20% worse, and his field goal percentages were down as well. That doesn't mean he's a bad shooter, but he just hasn't proven himself to that extent that I'm going to be that consistent, um, you know, sort of three. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So you have, you know, but the things that he does well, he runs the floor well, he's an impressive leaper, he's active around the basket, um, and he has a lot of skills. He's, he's, a, he's a rebounder, and he can pass the ball. You know, in Bayham's system, you know, you get so much that soaks in, and a lot of NBA teams like having those types of players because you gain so much knowledge in the culture of CJ and also with Jeremy is that they know how to play together and it's not about hey I'm going to be the option to score and so forth it's about coming into a team with a culture of playing team ball you know whether it's defense uh, making plays for others being in the right spot, successful screens, knowing where to be, all that things. And both of these players, including Fair, have that opportunity. But again, there's a lot of good players out there with similar size and skills. 
Now, Ryan, I'll get you out here on this one. You know, as a Syracuse fan and Syracuse fans listening to this podcast, you know, anyone from Carmelo Anthony to John Wallace to Michael Carter-Williams, they always have kind of the same knock on them in that, you know, when you play at Syracuse, you get recruited into the zone. You play in zone. Very rarely do you deviate from that and play man. And obviously, man-to-man defense is, you know, the bread and butter in the NBA. How much does playing in that particular system hurt the player's draft stock because you just mentioned the player needs to play defense in order to at least make the rotation. Well, it becomes a, a player, you know, player by player basis. And and the one thing that you got to understand with Bayheim that no other teams get is that knowledge of communication, of spacing, of anticipation, of um, you know knowing where to be to close out. That's that also can uh, segue. For man to man, now you take Ennis, for instance, who has who is so good in the uh, pick and roll, and he has the knowledge on the offensive end. But his way that that he, you know, that he really utilizes so some of those high picks against the zone, and a lot of those decisions when it comes to hedging and so forth are are coaches' decisions, and I think they gain so much knowledge from that. Now you can gain a lot from evaluating on how each player knows how, what they're supposed to do in, um, you know, in these situations. You know, uh, you get this from out-of-rebounding area, uh, you know, out-of-area rebounding, um, successful blockouts. Uh, you know, a lot of these things are very important. That's also defense. So the other part is, you know, learning to – or in, Proving how you're going to defend one-on-one, you know, that can be, uh, I think, gauged also with individual workouts as well. Ryan, great stuff. Again, thank you so much for coming on today. Ryan Blake, NBA Scouting Operations Senior Director. Enjoy this year's draft. We'll speak with you soon. Thank you. All the best. Very cool stuff from Ryan and really good to get his take on the three Syracuse guys in this year's NBA draft. I'm now joined by the Juice Online Editor-in-Chief and my very good friend, Brad Bierman. Brad, how are you today? I'm doing well, Wes. Thanks, and glad to be back on the Juice Podcast with you. Brad, I wanted to start with the Syracuse basketball team in terms of their recruiting, the Orange adding Mustafa Dangi to their 2015 class, and now they have the number one recruiting class in the country. If this is indeed Jim Beheim's final year, and we've been speculating about that with the Olympics being possibly his last destination, it seems like he's going to go out with a bang. Absolutely, with the talent level that will be on the Syracuse campus, both coming up here in 14-15 and then 15-16. And that's what I project to be the, the final season for the coach, 15-16. And the talent is just incredible. Even if Syracuse loses a player or two, after this season, with who they're going after and with Mike Hopkins in the thick of that, there's going to be no worries about the uh, talent influx to the uh, Cuse program once Coach Hop takes over for Coach Bayheim And he puts Jerry McNamara out on the recruiting trail with Adrian Autry. And it'll be interesting eventually to see who he'll add to the staff. But Jim Bayheim is going to go out with a bang. I predict that final regular season game, they'll have Duke in the Carrier Dome, March of 16 West, and They'll make a big thing about it, and uh, the talent on both sides is just going to be incredible. Brad, what's amazing is that they're still continuing to recruit. Now, they're not doing it with any scholarships, 
as you just mentioned, but they're still going to go out and continue to recruit. They're maybe looking at Tyler Roberson or Chris McCullough jumping to the NBA or both of them, and that would open up the possibility of a Derek Jones or even a Thomas Bryant coming to Syracuse. It seems like that stacked class can get even more stacked. An elite program is going to get elite players. So Syracuse, I think, until they change the rule, which is the uh, gist of this whole situation, uh, Syracuse is going to be almost at every season having a player who may be a one-and-done or a two-and-done. Therefore, when you can't predict what the roster shakeout's going to look like, you have to keep recruiting. So it seems to make the most sense. And until they do uh, you know, some sort of rule change, Wes, I think for a program like Syracuse now, year in and year out, is practically going to always be looking at this situation. Brad, let's stick with recruiting but go from basketball to football. The Orange picking up a commitment over the weekend from three-star running back Dante Strickland, and then yesterday they get a commitment from defensive end, and I'm probably going to end up butchering his last name, so I apologize, but Anthony Gadice. Anthony yeah. yes. Um It seems like the football staff doing a much better job of identifying recruits early on and getting them to commit early. They've got 10 commits already, which you know far surpasses any total they've had at this point earlier in earlier years. Well, Anthony Janice out of New Jersey, rugged, tough Jersey kid now at prep school in Connecticut. He's the epitome of the kind of player we're describing, Wes. I mean, he may have zero stars for the recruiting uh, websites, but when you get a scholarship offer to Syracuse and ACC school, you're a multi-star player. I don't care who's doing the evaluation. And the really uh, only important thing is the evaluation of the Syracuse coaches. So you have ten verbals now. Just the kind of player that Syracuse wants on campus. Make sure they qualify and going to be able to do all the academic uh, side of the equation in college. And then develop them as athletes. And I think Scott Schaefer and his staff are perfect for doing that. Brad, I wanted to move to now your weekly Orange Watch column this week that ran on Monday. You know, you've been covering Syracuse athletics for 40 years now, and you kind of wrote about where it all started and, you know, kind of moving forward. Can you just talk about what your column was about this week? Yeah, last 40 years, man, I feel old, but it just seems like yesterday that Villanova was coming into Archbold Stadium, fall of 75, and uh, there was optimism on campus. Could Frank Maloney get the program turned around? But what's interesting about 75, that team actually started 3-0. and And as I researched the article this week, I was really uh, kind of surprised, shocked even a little bit, that only two other teams since have started 3-0. and That being, of course, the 87 unbeaten team under Coach Mack and then Paul Pasqualoni's great first team in uh, 1991 that you know had that very impressive win over Florida along with beating Vanderbilt in Maryland. Now, as you look at this year's schedule, Villanova at Central Michigan, home to Maryland, Syracuse, they should be favored to start 3-0, right, Wes? So that would be just the fourth time in 40 years, once a decade. And if Syracuse is indeed 3-0, going into that Notre Dame game on the 27th, boy, and let's say Notre Dame's 3-0 also, they play uh, Rice, Houston, and Purdue, uh, Rice, Michigan, and uh, Purdue going into that game. If both teams are undefeated, boy, will the buildup for that game be huge as the monumental game can Scott Schaefer get that win and get this program over the hump to 4-0. It would be nice, and, you know, if you're looking at 4-0 territory, Brad, Syracuse football has not been ranked since the 2001 season, so they could at least be in the legitimate discussion starting the season 4-0 if they're able to beat that Notre Dame team. And let me extend this conversation. Six days later, Friday night, into the Carrier Dome comes Louisville. 
if they could somehow get that victory, 5-0. and oh, And then one week later, who's in the Dome West? Florida, Florida State. State. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Brad, we're right at the end of our show. Your closing thoughts. Well, speaking of football and the Carrier Dome and stadiums, I'm hearing maybe more talk now about another stadium, four sites being looked at in and around Syracuse and West. They really have to get down and, and, and serious on this issue. The Cary Dome about to have its 35th season. Uh, some sort of formal planning needs to be put in place for the direction of the next home stadium for Syracuse football. Brad, I originally was going to talk about Brandon Trish winning um, his Italian League basketball championship. Congratulations to him. But the news yesterday out of Syracuse, Syracuse and Georgetown locked into a four-year home-and-home series beginning in the 2015-16 season. I'm looking forward to it. I'm so glad that they're replaying it. You know, Syracuse-Georgetown, one of the greatest rivalries in college basketball. We needed that rivalry. I'm glad it's back, and I'm looking forward to it. As I am, and as long as Georgetown doesn't make it hard for Syracuse fans to buy tickets in D.C. <laughs> That's it for us. For Brad Bierman, this is Wes Chang reminding you that it's usually not a good idea to use the term earthlings in a job interview. You've been listening to the Juice on the Cues podcast on SNY.TV, and we'll see you next time.